Hello, and welcome to Brace and Ren 3 Direct-to-Video. My name is Brace Henderson. I'm one of the co-hosts of this podcast. Today we'll be discussing the Disney Toons 1995 film, A Goofy Movie. With me as always to break down all things Disney Toons now uh, is one Renan Fontes. Ren, how's it going? Brace, it's going well. And you want to know why? Why? My co-host respects me. Oh, is that what it is? How, uh, how did you get me to respect you? Oh, uh, I keep you under my thumb. Oh, I see. Just like a bowling ball? Yes, exactly. I got you. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's how I grew to respect you. That's right. Yeah. Um, if you uh, ever go bowling and you get uh, all but one of the pins down, just scream my name and I will come running. I'll, I'll do you one better. Have a bowling birthday party for your next birthday. And then mm-hmm. we can do this exact scenario. It'd be really funny, right? It, That's I think, that would be. I think everyone would laugh. It would be so funny. <laughs> I I, could, I, I can imagine everyone in the bowling alley laughing, just circling around us. Uh, their faces mm-hmm. getting close as they start pointing. Yes, yeah, it'll be really good, and then they'll they'll chant our names. That's right. Yeah, we'll say Rice and Ren three direct to video over and over. And over, and over. <laughs> yeah, and then we can run home as the reprise of our theme song place so um welcome to a goofy movie ren this is probably the best thing we've watched like overall ever yeah in terms of pure quality i think this is like the one thing i can point to and be like "Mm, this is artistically good yep yeah and it's like it is so 90s it's not even funny it's just like it's so 90s but it's so like in the best and most pure way possible. Yes, it, it yeah. shows its age, because everything shows its age with time. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't feel dated. No, not at all. It's, it's like, it's, it's timeless. Very, it, yeah, and that's exactly what it is. The story itself, like, the heart of the story, like, the dynamic between Goofy and Max, it's like, it's a very universal tale that can apply to any time period. Because, you know, there's always parental child conflict and that disconnect that comes with aging. Mm-hmm. Like everything surrounding the movie, it has this '90s aesthetic that very that like it gives it so much personality. Oh, for sure, yeah. And this is like, um, this is probably, uh, I know we've like given our top ten before. This is like, catch me, uh, on almost any other day. This will break my top ten, um, like of all time. This is uh, the movie is it's nostalgic for me. The music is nostalgic for me. The characters are nostalgic for me. And like every single time I've watched it, I've watched it at so many different points in my life. And every time I watch it, Ren, I just like get something completely new out of it. Um, it is it is a, a well. That, can, that, suits, that suits itself well to a bunch of different ages. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, I remember. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you can, you can go first. I was just going to say like as, as a kid, I watched this. And I was just like, dang, that Goofy is hilarious. Like, that that Goofy is so funny with his different shenanigans. And then when I watched it as a teen, like, so I watched it in high school and then uh, watched it again in college. Like, when I watched it at those ages, my main takeaway was, like, again, a lot of the, like, the humor of it all. But some of the more, like, obscure, almost like Simpsons-esque humor. Um that's in here where it's just like so silly it's just like so yeah like in your face like 
the, uh, w- there's so much that I, I'm excited to talk about, but like the one of my favorite bits, like of all time, is Max punching Lester the possum in, <laughs> in the costume, him punching him in the face. The costume head turns backwards, and because the guy in it can't see, he kind of stumbles. And then in the background, he falls, and just a mob of children like ransack him and like drag him off screen. The movie um, has it. The movie has a lot of really good, just like visual humor. Yes. Um, it's very anti. It's like mm-hmm. unlike Disney, where so much of Disney's jokes are, you know, they're dialogue based and they're very like obvious what the joke is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. This and and then today watching it, like, I in the first like half of watching it, I was like, wow, like I'm really feeling for Max. Like all of his feelings feel so real, so well shown, so genuine. And then like the second half, I'm like, wow, like Goofy's punching me in the gut right now. Like. Uh, I- especially love about yeah. this movie is that it's not afraid to be a drama sometimes no like there are it's never too long but there are sequences where like for like three minutes at a time there's just like nothing funny happening mm-hmm. and like it's just pure pathos you feel for goofy and max and yeah. like i i respect a disney movie that knows that i don't need a joke every minute no and that's something i've appreciated more as i've gotten older it's like as a kid you want to just be non-stop entertained as oh, I get sure. older, yeah. and the more I watch the film, my main takeaway always ends up being how emotionally mature it is. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's um, it's like you said. Like at at any point, you can be getting something out of this movie, and uh, I'm glad that it was as commercially successful um as it was. Uh, about that, Bryce. Yeah, Red. Uh. <laughs> It actually didn't do too well at the box office. Oh no! Oh no! Did you, did you know that? Did you know that? Did you know oh. this movie did poorly? Ouch! But th- Ouch. it's not all bad news because oh, it actually okay. did really well in video sales and rentals. Few, few. Okay, so you're telling me it's more of a cult classic. This is. I think this is like the definition of yeah. a cult classic. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. I have a, I have some interesting trivia to share. Before yeah, Ren, I, I would love love to hear some to to set up this film. What, what so do you like, got? So you actually asked me a question. You wanted me to find out who Carl is. Yes, and can I set? Can I just set up why I've why I asked who Carl yes, is? So there's a in one of the mon- the only like real montage in this movie we get while they're road tripping. They're going to different sites and seeing different places. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, in a little bit. But one of the sites, uh is they go to a bat cave uh, and the bats end up chasing them out of the cave because they're all woken up. Uh, so they run out of the cave with the bats chasing them. There's a big uh, panned out shot of them running out of the cave. And I didn't realize this until my college viewing of this movie, but there's a giant sign that says Carl's Butt Caverns, uh, which I have no clue what that means, Ren, and I'm very excited for you to tell me. I did figure it out. So okay. it's a reference to the Carlsbad Canyons, caverns, from New Mexico. It's Got you. Words. Carl is not a man. No. Nor no. does he have a butt. Yes, okay. Uh, it's, it's just simply, it's a play on words, and they said, let's replace the word bat with butt. <laughs> and some people will get it. But most people won't, and instead they'll just... will think it's a dirty joke about a man's asshole. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, yeah, always what I thought it was. And it is, since there was something that I never noticed until I was older, I was like, okay, I guess that one's in there for the adults or the 
keen keen eye. But... There are a couple adult jokes in here. There's uh, the one where Max says that he's in hell and it gets cut off by Lester. Mm-hmm. Hello. Yes. That, that's some great comedic timing because they don't they don't do like a full beat. It really does transition to I, I'm in hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else? What, tell me. Tell me more about this beloved. Okay. Uh, cult so classic. This might explain why the movie didn't do too well in the box office. Mm-hmm. This is a two part trivia piece. Okay. So, the inspiration for the film came from Jeffrey Katzenberg, the chairman of the Walt Disney Studios at the time, who was feeling distant from his daughter. He decided to go on a road trip with her that brought the two closer together. So, uh, during the development of this movie, Jeffrey Katzenberg actually left the company, which brings me to my next point. There were plans for a strong advertisement push, but due to Disney executive Jeffrey Katzenberg leaving, those plans were halted. This is why there is not as much merchandise from the time as a typical Disney production would have. So it seems like this was Jeffrey Katzenberg's passion project. Once he left, Disney was like, all right, we're not going to push this too hard. Yeah, we're just going to, it's pretty much already a product, so we'll put it out there and leave it be. Um, so this was probably one of the first, uh, if, if he left during like that production, probably, I'm assuming it went to Michael Eisner after that. I think so. Uh, I think so that. yeah, so it was probably one of the first Michael Eisner films. Um, he, Ren, do you know about Michael Eisner? I do know a decent bit about him. Oh my gosh, what a disaster of a man. <laughs> um, who's like, it's so funny. He is like the Star Wars prequels of Disney CEOs, where everyone, like five years ago, everyone was like, he is the worst thing that's ever happened to Disney. And now we're in the current era of Disney um, with Bob Chapek. Bob Eager? No, no, no. Bob Chapek is the current CEO, Ren. He is, uh, it's a podcast for another day. But he's a mess. He's a disaster. Everyone hates him. And he is the worst thing that's ever happened to Disney. By far. Um, well, uh, we'll do Bryson Ren and Disney CEOs. Yes, and I, I would, I'd be happy. But so, <laughs> and so because of that, because of what we have now, people are starting to look fondly on Michael Eisner. They're like, oh, he kind of like, uh, he kind of brought some good stuff to Disney. And I mean, so I, I would, mean, I would assume. He's not even making new movies anymore. <laughs> Well, no, and so like I, I would assume that he, Michael Eisner, is very much so responsible for what like most of the content that we're gonna watch in terms of like he's the one that gave the official green light. So, um, I, I would in the in the future now that we're starting to get into the Eisner era, <laughs> I, I could probably do some homework in terms of how he impacted Disney Toon Studio. Uh, that would be but, interesting to know. Yeah, because I feel like it'll it'll help help us understand better. Um, I know a lot of Disney history when it comes to the parks, so I could tell you everything that his name is on in the parks, um, but uh, not so much the movie division. So, uh, Ren, what else about getting back to a goofy movie? I'm sorry. Okay, I have yeah. some. Uh, I have some. Inter- I have something interesting here. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point early in production, Disney wanted Steve Martin to voice Goofy instead of Bill Farmer. <laughs> I mean, gotta they go were for going a to big replace name. the voice of Goofy. Yeah. With Steve Martin, that would have been awful. It doesn't stop there, either. Okay. So, once Disney settled on keeping Bill Farmer, they wanted him to change the voice of Goofy to make him sound smarter and more serious. Farmer, confused by this, did an attempt, but since it was so poorly received, he was told by Disney to continue using his original Goofy voice. Oh. So, it sounds like Disney kind of wanted to sabotage this from the start. 
Yeah, they were not they were not invested in this. Um okay. It so, also seems like this movie didn't get really get the respect it deserved. So a goofy movie had a very limited budget, mm-hmm. which meant it had to split its voice recording across three years. Or no, no it, it, voice recording from the film began in 1992 and ended in 95. Wow. Wow. Because the movie's budget was so tight that presumably they could only afford to pay a few actors mm-hmm. so much each year. Yep. Like, oh, we'll have to... He was about to read the next line of the script and they said, no, 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 we don't have don't have the budget for that. Save that one for next year. Next May when you come in, we can film you, uh, record you saying that. Yeah, that's... um. Yeah, it so this movie clearly did not get any, and like even when it came out, do you know how how it did with the critics and like because I know you you said like commercially it, it did not do well. Commercially, it but... didn't do very well. Critically, I think it was well received. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cr- or it looks like it has a sixty one on Rotten Tomatoes. The review I pulled up, I'm reading a Roger Ebert review as like okay. the real review for it. It's positive, so it seems like it actually. I don't know. It's. I was expecting a higher Rotten Tomatoes score. Yeah, uh, critically underrated. I wonder if, um, they don't like because people don't really go back and like re-review movies, well, especially well, not a goofy movie. Hold on, let me look but... up something really quick. I'm looking at what movies came out in 1995. Because let's see what what animated films a goofy movie was being compared to. Oh, uh, Billy Madison, the everyone's favorite animated movie. Came so, out in 95. That's. So 1995, that's the same year Toy Story came out, but it hadn't yep. come out by the time that uh, a Goofy movie came out. No. Let's see. Let's see. I'm going to do yeah. a... Uh, I don't... Yeah, I don't think that there would have been... I think because Toy Story was Disney's kind of big release that year. Pixar. Uh, I don't think they were joined yet. No, but so they weren't formally joined. It was still released under Disney, though. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yep. So it looks like Lion King came out the year before. Yeah, it was 94. So maybe it was yeah. being held up against that. And Pocahontas was coming out the next month. In 95? Yeah. So it could just be that critics were riding the Lion King high. Pocahontas was was what was being marketed as, like, the next Lion King in Disney's mm-hmm. eyes. So maybe that kind of marketing, the lack of marketing for a Goofy movie, plus what critical perception would have been at the time following Lion King, Maybe just didn't do the movie any favors, and I'd say it was unfairly reviewed in this case. Yeah, this is uh, that happens. That does happen. A goofy movie is, um, like the Emperor's New Groove of the nineties. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. Uh, if you get it, you get it. Uh, if you don't, you really don't. You're dope. Yeah, you're dope. You're goofy. Um, I got two more trivia. Yeah, bits what else? We can start for real. Yeah. So. Uh, director Kevin Lima used this film to work through his feelings with his own father, who oh. left when he was 12. He didn't see him again until 20 years later, after directing Tarzan. Wow. Um, I totally get that, because it's like, we get through Goofy, and one of the things that I picked up here that I don't usually is like, Goofy's own struggles of like overcoming his thoughts and feelings on his relationship with his presumably deceased father um and so that's interesting um yeah, that that, that those overtones were here as well um and i think come across in goofy and then 
uh, are the reason why Goofy acts the way he does around Max. So, and, uh, what uh, else? What's the what's the last that, one? Last bit. Uh, Jim Megan said that the purpose of the film was to give Goofy a chance to show true emotion and mm-hmm. character development outside of his traditional humorous storylines, and I think they succeeded masterfully. Yep. Like this is yep. this is su- genuinely it's such a hard premise. How do you make Goofy a like emotional dramatic character who you can appreciate and take seriously? And it works mm-hmm. because they don't turn their back on the fact that Goofy is Goofy. They embrace that and they that adds to the emotion of it all. Yeah, and it's like I think using him. I mean, go- this was set up already with Goof Troop, but like him in the dad role is really good because like when it comes to like classic like mainstream kind of dad things goofy checks off a lot of those boxes of just like does things that are probably gonna embarrass you or like makes like awkward dad jokes like he like he is he is a a dad through and through so i think using him to in that dad role to really like to elevate and play on those emotions is brilliant um i love it i just i'm so excited ren I'm Me so too. excited. Um, let's talk about this opening. Uh, this first scene yes. has never left me. No. Like, well, I, I remember having nightmares the first time I watched the movie it's because of this. terrifying. Those like, teeth? The, the teeth, the way his, like, the, just the full transformation into Goofy. Mm-hmm. Like, I think this is what actually gave me my fear of body horror. Yeah. It's like the... Uh, his whole thing, like Max's whole thing, is his worst fear is becoming his dad. Um, it's expressed but so literally. It's, it is <laughs> physically becoming his dad, um, right before our eyes. Poor Roxanne, even like dr- this is like not real Roxanne, but Dream Roxanne. Poor Dream Roxanne, uh, scarred, I'm sure, for life. Like, I, I appreciate that the movie lets itself be a little scary here, yeah. Like the ears, the yuck thunderclap. It's funny, but like that's a, when you're a kid, that's an overwhelming visual. Yes, yeah, it um definitely stuck with me as well. It's very scary, and like the um, I I want to know if and um, I don't I couldn't think of anything else, but like the opening of just like because the first shot is, uh, we see this cornfield, we get this like. M- like really like kind of dreamy little music ethereal. we see roxanne in the distance sitting on a giant pillar uh in the field in like the hay field uh saying max max and like is that a, is this a reference to anything or is this just like the directors were like and then we'll put roxanne on a giant like roman pillar and we'll have her like it it's just so uh like visually i don't know like uh me- memorable i think it's a very visually striking opening yeah like, in general the movie is I, I'm, it's beautifully animated mm-hmm. like there are some scenes that just have a gorgeous combination of like color palette mm-hmm. shading textures like well I'll, there's one in particular near the end that we'll get into because i wrote down a ton of notes for it mm-hmm. but this opening, just, like, the way it uses, like, the soft orange color palette, like, yep. the way that Max motions through the field, like, the very seamless transition to, like, Roxanne on the pillar to them looking at each other, to Max starting to transform. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so atmospheric. 
Yeah. Very deliberate animation. Like, you can tell that this is a movie that they spent a lot of time working on. You know, it was because of a limited budget, but it clearly paid off. Like, this, it's so polished. Every single frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Max wakes up. Uh, it's the big day. We don't know what's the big day yet, but he wakes up, it's the big day. Uh, and... <laughs> I I liked Goofy's. Uh, what does he do? He opens the door. He barges in. <laughs> barges in. Max is like, Dad. He's like, Oh, sorry. And then he closes the door, knocks, and then barges in. Um, he's a good just, dad. He's respecting boundaries. Yeah, to do it. Uh, he references uh, Xavier Cougart. Xavier Cougat. Cougat, the Mambo the King. Mambo King. <laughs> yep. Uh, he vacuums up the power line. Yep, he nearly like, stand up. the power line. Yeah. So, all of that, uh, is great. We see Max is, I th- is this the only media where Max is, like, a teenager? I think, well, he's a teenager in an extremely goofy movie. He's yeah, 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 yeah. But I think in um, a goof trip, he's, like, 12. Yeah, he's, like, a child the whole time there, right? Yeah. So He's in middle school. Yeah. Um... Here he's like high school. He's a teenager. He's we instantly get the idea. Okay, he's super angsty. Um, is he a senior? I don't no, know if he's, he's a, a senior. He's a freshman. The freshman in this one. Oh, okay. Um, and then we get the the song. I love this opening number. After today, it I'm gonna be cruising. So- it is so, it's really fun, has a nice energetic vibe to it. It mm-hmm. perfectly sets up who Max is, his personality, his struggles. You know, it, I, this is, this is more his movie than it is Goofy's movie. I disagree. You disagree? Uh, I think it's, I think it's equal parts. You think it's one-to-one? Yeah, I do. I think it's a little bit skewed towards Max. Yeah, I think, I think I, the I think first, has, I think of the bigger arc. I think the first half is Max dominant. I think the second half is Goofy dominant. I don't think the second half um, is dominant. I think it is because that's. I think that that's when Goofy most most struggles with. Okay, I'm getting along with my son. He has the conflict with uh, where Pete's like, uh, "Dude, uh, you're getting along with them, but he's also kind of turning like he, he turned against you. He changed the map, and then Goofy has that whole that like fantastic scene in the car, uh, where he's like struggling. Do I trust him? Do I not? Um, and he just, like, he doesn't know how to be close to him. He doesn't know how to connect with his son. Well, Max um, also doesn't know how to connect with Goofy, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, their, their arcs are intertwined. They can't, you really can't have one without the other. Yeah. Um, okay, but back to uh, after today. It's great. It's golden. Uh, it's like, I'm gonna sit on my bus. Aladdin too. It's just such a breath of fresh air. Yeah, and it's like another, another, like, why are these songs not like Disney did this movie so dirty, Ren? These songs should be like classic Disney songs. They it they this whole soundtrack has like a very Broadway vibe compared to Disney's other productions. Mm-hmm. I like it. I think it works. It's it really feels like a real musical. Like the way that the music is like set up and structured mm-hmm. and how each song tells a full story. Yeah, Max is like, uh, she looked right through me. Who could blame her? Uh, where the like music slows down a little bit, and he's like reflecting. Uh, it's a very Broadway moment. Yeah, it's a very Broadway moment. Um, yeah, and then he the song ends, and he 
uh, a yucks in front of Roxanne. Rent, did you want to both a yuck? All right, you go first. Uh, a yuck. You like that? You. <laughs> you. You. Yuck. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it needs to be deeper, but I don't. Yeah. Yuck. Oh, that's okay. Oh. Uh, <laughs> no, he's worried about uh yucking in front of Roxanne. So Max, yeah, so Max gets done a yucking in front of Roxanne and goes into school, uh, hangs out with PJ, and uh, we also meet Ren, uh, my personal favorite thing that we're going to get here, uh, Bobby. Mmm, slurpage. Mmm, slurpage. Bryce, if I started paying you in Cheddar Wizzy, for some kind of service. Would yes. you be alright with that? Oh, I'd be fine with that. Cheddar! Yeah, that's how he does I, it. I like this Bobby guy. Oh my gosh, he is funny. He's a funny dude. He must dude. love an extremely goofy movie. Why? Is he like in it a lot? I, yeah, I'm really, I've seen it like once or twice. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I think I've actually seen an extremely goofy movie more than I've seen this one. Yeah, that's a mistake. Well, 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 here's the thing, though. An extremely goofy movie, to me, is more rewatchable because it's much lighter. Like, in terms of quality, a goofy movie is the, clearly the better film. Mm -hmm. But it's also heavier. And it deals yeah. with, like, real subject matter. Yeah. It's like, a... mm -hmm. so, like if, if like, I'm in a mood for, like, oh, I want to see something, I want to see goofy. Like, I don't want to feel too hard. That's okay. got to be an extremely goofy movie. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a much lighter watch. You don't have to... Mm -hmm turn on your heart is hard yeah i'm i'm excited for us to get to an extremely goofy movie just for you to realize uh it's actually very deep <laughs> so you're gonna be like oh dang i didn't realize that uh i don't remember much from that there's like a poet slam or something yeah there's a, there's um, a poetry slam and then like a some guy named contest. like chet or something probably so uh, yeah uh how does pay-per-view work so, uh, you, you gotta pay for the channel or, like, the event, and then you yeah. can watch it. But, and you can just watch it once. Or is well, it, like, you can watch it again and again for, I like, think two so. days? I think with pay-per-view, you're watching the event as it happens. Okay. So once it's done, it's done. It's done. That's more, yeah, pay-per-view. Uh, because it would always bother me about that name. They could have come up with a better name. Paper sounds like, you know, paper, like what you comes from trees yeah what were you write on yeah pay-per-view so that's like what are you doing like looking at isn't that a book reading pay-per-view so you you think it's a as a about paper you think about you're talking about real paper i'm saying the term pay-per-view is a bad it's a bad term because it can sound like paper it can sound it sounds too much like paper when you were young did you used to think pay-per-view was called pay-per-view See, you just said the same word twice. I don't understand the question. There was, clear, there was clearly a beat between pay-per-view as opposed to pay-per-view. <laughs> Do you hear the difference? <laughs> barely. <laughs> but it's I, there. Yeah, I barely hear the difference. Pay-per-view. Yes. Yeah, pay-per-view. Versus, like, iTunes, per like, nowadays you can, like, rent a movie for two bucks. And that's that's different than pay-per-view. That's just renting. Yeah. It was, I, always, it's, it was always different from pay-per-view. Even then, we called it renting. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I don't. I still don't really think I understand pay-per-view. It's pay, like okay, pay-per-view. 
is when you okay you know how what like there are boxing matches sometimes and they're like oh it's gonna be on espn now but you gotta do pay-per-view yeah so you pay for like the access yeah it's like a ticket streaming like, on the channel yeah and then once it's over it's just done okay and you can't pause it no because it's live okay or maybe there is a way to pause it now you can pause live things now you know tivo's been a thing for decades yeah yeah um tivo's pretty cool oh my gosh i remember my mind being blown by tivo um so the reason why uh pay-per-view ran uh is because stacy the school president class president is hosting a party at our house for the entire school you're all invited the powerline concert on pay-per-view should we go you and me yeah it's a fictional it's it's a fictional event we can't go because it's a movie. What if we pause we and see where it's happening and we just like look at it for a bit? No, no. Like but we're there. Yeah. See what I'm doing? I'm doing the opposite of improv. Oh, right. You're doing no but. No but. See, if it was improv, I'd say yes. And I would bring the Cheetos. And everyone would laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you would say... I'm saying I'm bringing the Cheetos, and you would say... I'm bringing the Pepsi. And everyone would laugh again. Yeah. Because these aren't these aren't jokes. Yeah. Well, and so finally, I think, because rule of three is then finally, I would just say something like, um, I hope the weather's nice, and scene. Yep. That, that's more or less how that went. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so pay-per-view. There's a party to go watch the Powerline pay-per-view. Uh, but Max is gonna... He Max wants to go with Roxanne, but before any of that happens, Max has to stand out. Shouldn't you? Shouldn't we all try to stand out? Yeah. Above the crowd, even if I... Okay, what's the best Powerline song? This or Eye to Eye? I think this one's better. I think this one's better, too. Eye to Eye strikes me as a kind of a... Uh, what's that song that Roger plays at the end of Rent that he works on the whole musical? <laughs> right? um, like, Eye to Eye isn't that bad, but it has the same kind of energy. Um, <laughs> like, oh, you already used the, the good one. Well, you made this as the last one. Yeah, it's... Uh, isn't One song, Glory, is not the song, but it's better than the song that he does write, correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> your Eyes... Yeah, it is. Your uh, eyes. As so you said, you're good. <laughs> he spends the whole musical writing the worst song. As he's the musical. It's not just his worst song. No. It is the whole song, worst song in the show. Yeah, as, as ironically enough, he sings songs that are <laughs> far better all about <laughs> writing the song. Oh my gosh. Someday we should review Rent. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I mean, once we get through the summer of uh, uh, Love Island, <laughs> yeah, it's coming back. It's coming yeah, back. Yeah, Nicole and I watched it last. It's... Was it last year we watched it? Yeah, sometime in the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's um after Big Brother. I watched Big Brother, so there's no reason for me to not just stick around to watch Love Island. <laughs> I liked Love Island when I saw it from it. I thought it was really funny. Yeah, yeah, it's hysterical. I'd be down. Uh, I, I I will be down. I'll I'll watch it, and then you a and I can discuss. Podcast. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll release these in the middle of the week. Mm-hmm. And they'll they'll be brief. They'll be like twenty minute increments about like <laughs> what did we think of tonight's episode. 
Um, all right. So, uh, Max does his whole thing, gets in trouble for uh, taking over the school assembly. For standing out. Yeah, Bobby and PJ get in trouble too. Um, I love so. It cuts to them in like waiting outside the principal's office. PJ's getting yelled at. PJ leaves. He's like, "I'm gonna die," and um, Bobby goes in. Well, first he does the Leaning Tower of Chiza. Yep. Which is, um, I think the most iconic thing from the whole film. Really, you think the Leaning Tower of Chiza is the most iconic thing from a if, movie? Amongst amongst pop culture, I would say it has had the biggest impact. I don't think I've ever heard anyone in life reference the Leaning Tower of Chiza. <laughs> like, th- this is the first I'm hearing of its cultural significance. I don't know if you're hanging around the right people, Ren. Because the people that I hang around with talk about the Leaning Tower of Chiza a lot. Who, Jordan and Jenna? Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Jordan. The two people that I hang out with. The only two other people outside of you that I talk to. Jordan well, and Jenna. I, I had to pick people jo- with, uh... I to, their names are judges, so you yeah, know, yeah, well. yeah. Jordan, when him and I get together, we just you are always back, talking about Jesus. Yeah, leaning tower of Chiza. Yeah, no, the physics of this thing is wild. Do you think we could recreate it? The leaning tower of Chiza. Yeah, probably. I think Cheese Whiz has enough fake cheese in it mm-hmm. where you you could build something with yeah. this mass. Yeah, and he gives it, um. He before he goes in to see uh the principal, uh principal Mater, Mazer. He, Mazer, he tosses the can of cheese to Max and he's like, guard this with your life. Which is I, I love. And then he brings the tech cart in with him. Um what is he is he presenting something like in his defense? He's showing the power line routine. <laughs> It's all he can do. It's a do or die. Yeah. He's just so funny. Like, he goes in and he's, uh, he's like, Principal Mazer. He's got a real fun way of talking. He does. He does. I don't think I nail it. <laughs> I don't think you I gotta do. You gotta be a bit slower between the beats. It's a bit more dragged out. Yeah. Well, because he's, you know, you, you know what he's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Cheese boy. Yeah. Cheesehead. Wisconsinite. Uh, oof, there goes our Wisconsin listeners. <laughs> no, they like it. That 70s show, it's part of the culture. Okay. Um, isn't that cancelled? No, it's coming back. No, I, okay. I think there's, like, like cultural things there that are... Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Other uh, people? The, uh, what's his name? Danny I don't know. Masterson. I've never Danny watched Masterson. an episode. Yeah. He, uh, he did a bunch of bad things. A bunch of really bad things, Bryce. Yeah. Well, while we're talking about bad things, Ren... <laughs> Uh, Powerline, uh, is gonna, Powerline Goes Rainforest is gonna be the theme of Stacy's party, and I think that's a bad theme. You think it's a bad theme? Yeah. You think a bunch of sweaty kids watching Powerline in a humid house is a bad idea? Who says it's, oh, humid because it's the rainforest? Yeah. If you throw a rainforest party, Ren, are you, are you making your place more humid? Yeah, I'm get going... ready for it? Any party, any themed party I throw, the weather and temperature inside is going to match the theme. So if I threw you, like, a polar bear party i'd paint a bunch of bears white and i'd make your house freezing i'd put install a bunch of air conditioners just cool it down yeah you don't you don't half ass i full ass yes yeah just like uh never mind um (laughs) 
so Max and Roxanne. Is it like weird for me to say they're like they're cute together? No, one of my notes is that they have cute chemistry. Yeah. I think the the voice direction in this movie is really good. Not just the voice acting. Mm-hmm. It really sounds like they're like reacting and talking to each other and they genuinely like each other when they yeah. speak to one another. They're like awkward, like kind of both fumbling over their words, fumbling over each other's words. Like it's, it, so cute. it's cute and it's framed in a really sweet way. Yeah. Like it doesn't beat you over the head with like, oh, look at them. It's it's just enough to sell it to be mm-hmm. tender while still kind of maintaining that awkwardness that kids have when they flirt. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cute. Um Max and Roxanne, Max is like, "Oh, uh do you want to go to the Powerline party?" She says, "Yes." It's so cute. Mom uh Max mumbles with the receptionist. Yep, we get Mabel. another fantastic Bobby line where he says, yes, dance with her, groove with her. Yep. <laughs> so good. Um, uh, Bryce. Yeah. Should we check in on PJ's dad? I heard he's going to smash him like a bug. Yeah, let's do that. Let's check in with, with Pete and Goofy at their day job, which is taking photos at the department store yes they take photos of babies yep i don't i don't i don't know if this was their job in goof troop i would guess it's not i don't think it was no i think the development of this movie actually overlapped with pretty much all of goof troop yeah because it took so long yeah because we have uh they're gonna do this goofy will swallow a squeaker so we get some classic goofiness uh pete is gonna take like uh, a a sticky thing it's velcro velcro put it on the baby's bottom and then velcro the baby to the table to take a good picture he's a good dad he keeps his thumb thumb on things keep them under your thumb bryce yeah he's um he's not a good dad he is such I, I think it's so interesting the way that they frame Pete in this movie. Yeah. Because, like, he's a very clearly antagonistic figure, but he's not the antagonist or even an antagonist in the story. He's, like, a foil. or He's, like, a parallel to Goofy in Max's relationship. Yes. And, like, it, yeah. He's a more aggressive father. He's, like, no nonsense. Doesn't really put up or even tolerate PJ that much. Mm-hmm. And, like, we'll get to it later, but I love the scene where Goofy and Pete are having the conversation in the hot tub, and Goofy says, my son loves me, and Pete says, my son respects me. Because I really think it that just encapsulates all four of their dynamics right away. Mm-hmm. It shows just how detached Pete is to his son outside of any form of authority, mm-hmm. and how attached Goofy is to Max on an emotional level. Yeah, and it's not like uh like bringing it to the real world. Like, I mean, that's that that is the case with some father-son dynamics like it is there is very much so the father and son dynamic that is like the father's really concerned about like i want my kid to understand me to love me and me to love them and then there's the other that's more of like i want my like son to grow up to be uh like to to respect not just me but like really respect others have a respect for like their things and for the world around them and like that's the higher priority over um emotional connection yeah their emotions their feelings what they want so it's such um, an interesting way of showing like the multiple sides of fatherhood yeah yeah um and i i agree with you 
in that Pete is not the villain here mm-hmm. uh, in this movie. He we see him at frequent points throughout the story. I think really like you said to just demonstrate like how are things on the other side of the fence like like well, what is what is that opposite perspective and then how does that maybe influence um what goofy's trying to do as he tries to get a better sense of who he is as a father it's also good for us as an audience to kind of have a relationship we can compare goofy and max's dynamic to mm-hmm. it's like it, it allows us to think a bit more critically and deeper about them because we know the movie is also doing that and presenting these opportunities for us to do so mm-hmm. yeah and that is, that's just damn good writing and storytelling yes um and so pete and uh goof get to talking right and nowadays kids they you know you don't want to end up have them end up in gangs or uh starting riots or in the electric chair no that's how they end up in the and sure enough goofy gets a call from principal mazer and you know max was wearing his gang outfit and you know getting the kids all riled up and riotous yeah goofy's worried they got to take a road trip they have to pete told him it's the only way fathers and sons can bond Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Bryce, what better way to bond with your son than a fishing trip to Lake Destiny, Idaho? Yeah. That's it. That's the big way. And we're off. You know what we should have done? What? We should have recorded this podcast to the real-time road trip. You you want to take a road trip to... <laughs> we'll take a multiple-week-long <laughs> road trip to Lake while Destiny? Recording, while discussing a goof troop. Lake Destiny, Idaho. Is it yeah. real? It's a real place? Let's find out. I don't think it's... Uh, it's in Disney Wiki is where it first came up. Alright, so we just gotta find a place uh, in Idaho that could be that. Okay. Uh, while it may not have been the mostly... Idaho was the basis in which Goofy... Even though you can still buy t-shirts for there. Okay, that's not helpful. Alright, so the answer is no. Ren. That's too bad. It's a bummer. So you and I, that road trip would lead us nowhere. We could always, you know, road trip to LA. Yeah, that's a real place. We could start going to Lake Destiny, and then once we hit the junction, (laughs) uh, we could go left instead of right and go towards LA. Then we could hang out with Powerline, our friend. Yeah, who we know. Um, Yeah, so then we get into the road trip, which is like, this is the bulk of the movie here, the road trip. Bryce, Bryce, Bryce. What? Uh, You skipped over standout reprise. Okay. Max, Max there's a reprise. Max has to complete the song after everyone chants his name. They love him now. Yep. He's very cool because of the Powerline stunt. And he's going to the party with Roxanne. That's like two cool things. Yeah. He's the coolest person. Um, And he's about to be even cooler because when he finds out he's going on a road trip and won't be able to go to the party with Roxanne, he stops by at Roxanne's house say hey i can't go to the party um but actually of course uh really says uh, i can't go to the party because my dad knows Powerline, and i'm gonna be on stage and wave to you from the concert in la good lie very good lie truly bold and electric lie yes so i was thinking about it here um i don't i don't i think he doesn't end so Worst case scenario here, Max doesn't end up getting to Powerline, 
hey Roxanne, I don't like I went to the concert, but unfortunately, uh, we didn't make it on stage. Powerline lied to us. He's a liar. Yeah. So is <laughs> yeah. I feel like he he's fine to just say like we got like we went to the concert, but we didn't end up on stage. I I think him being on stage is what convinced is her to believe though yeah i don't i don't think he she has to be there. on stage he has to be there there needs to be proof yep yeah um well all right so he's like all right i'm gonna go do that but like so he does that but then we don't it, it we go a decent amount of the movie without him having a real plan for like how he's gonna make this happen is he just re- is he like all right like it's it's dead like this dream is dead but then once he realizes the dream is alive my interpretation is that he just accepts that it's not gonna happen okay he's stressed out the whole movie yeah and you can tell that like it gets worse and worse up until goofy lets him change or up until max just changes the route yeah yeah until like i think i think up to that point he just kind of resigned himself to the lie and just eventually dealing with the consequences but kind of dwelling on it in the media yeah yeah he accepts it um and then they we get the open road i like this one i like this number yeah uh, i like I, the little uh radio fight they have before it too yes where uh, max is trying to do electric guitar while goofy bow, singing bow, bow. yep you got high hopes yeah we get um <laughs> And the open... I, like little, I like little scenes like that because they're good at showing like the contrast between the two of them, mm-hmm. which on I... the road just immediately gets into. It's all about their differences and how Goofy's trying to make the most of it and how Max is just miserable. Yep. Um. <clears throat> yeah, and Max doesn't want to end up in traction. Yeah, because Goofy is a comically bad driver, which all, like works its way into the plot in a way. Yep. Um, because the Goofy is such a bad driver, um, uh, well, that later on he, you know, fails to put the car in parking brakes, um, but he also, uh, constantly needs to be looking at the map, blocking his vision yep. from the road, um, which is why he, partially why he ends up giving Max the navigator role. The, um, uh, bag on top of their car is also a massive hazard. Yes. <laughs> it's a huge, <laughs> huge bag, um, uh, that is... Uh, throughout the movie, we see things getting taken off of it yep. as they are uh, not clearing these underpasses. So, uh, yeah, and in this in this musical number, we get um, Goofy runs through to like a, a structure that construction workers are on. They fall to the ground. I assume they're dead. Yep, they probably died. Yeah, <laughs> so that's oh. you know number two two bodies for Goofy's body count. We get a lot of highway chaos. Yeah, we do. A brief, brief scene where Mickey and Donald are hitchhiking. Yeah, uh, and Disney's really... They're hesitant about Mickey. Yes, they Mickey like, shows never up. show him in anything. So this was odd to me that it was like, yeah, we can let Mickey and Donald Duck hitchhike for a second. To me, it gives the movie like a bigger air of legitimacy. Yeah. It's like, oh, you you got Mickey, Mickey's in this? All yeah, right. you got you got Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they must have paid big for that three seconds of uh, of screen time for the mouse. Um, 
Yeah, cause we get him. And this whole number is fun. We get like uh, a dancing corpse. We get yep. introduced to the nuns. Um, we get the there's a guy that parachutes into a vehicle. So it's great. It is. It's a fun, funny sequence, and it mm-hmm. it manages to set some real tension between Max and Goofy, mm-hmm. which is important. I like that these songs. They're not just like throwaway musical numbers because you know we got to sell a cd Mm -hmm. they actually really push the story forward yeah and you know get there's like actual character work in here that's great this is like what a disney like this is a disney tune film but it's pretty much hitting all the beats that like a normal traditional disney movie needs to have to be good Mm -hmm. like how did disney tune pull this off this is insane to me (laughs) (laughs) like this is legitimately just so good if okay, Ren, if you have a field, okay, and every single day a thunderstorm goes through that field and lightning strikes somewhere on that field and there's a single tree, at one point lightning's gonna strike that tree. <laughs> okay? It's at least gonna happen once. This is that time. Happens early, but <laughs> this is that time. Happened very, very early. Yeah. Now the field has no trees. No. The tree is burned down after this. Um, we we go to Lester's Possum Park. Ren, did you love Lester's Possum Park? Did I love it, Bryce? It reminded yeah. me of being dragged into the Chuck E. Cheese when I was a child. Yeah. I, I actually have a funny crying at Chuck E. Cheese story. Uh, the first time I ever saw Chuck E., I think I was like three years old, he terrified me. He was coming right at me. I cried and just ran away looking for my dad. Yeah. Um, did you did you punch did you punch Chucky and have I his wish. head turned si- uh, backwards? I wish I had that courage then. Yeah, <laughs> the courage I have now. Yeah. Um, Rent, when you when you went to Disney, did you make your way into the Country Bear Jamboree? I don't think so. No. Okay. Um, I, I watched the Country Bears a lot growing up. The the movie Christopher yes. Walken. Yeah. <laughs> the decom. Yeah. Was it no, no, was no. That a real movie? It was a real movie, Ren. <laughs> real oh movie. Oh god. Christopher that Walken is... is the villain. Do you want to watch the trailer? <laughs> god, how long is it? It's uh probably like 2 minutes. Damn. I'll pull it up. Pull it up. Well, yeah, let's let's take a little trailer break. Yeah. yeah, I think I think people will want to listen to the Country Bear Jamboree. But so uh that's what this this makes me think of is um is the country bird jamboree uh at, at disney world where like half the animatronics don't work and there's like <laughs> cheesy songs um so i like that they were kind of making fun of themselves here yeah this uh, movie has a good sense of humor about itself in general yeah all right uh i got it ren here we go um let me start video share screen this okay. summer Christopher Walken and a bunch of real bears. Hey, Barry, dinner's ready. Barry Barrington was like any other boy. Sometimes I feel different. Like Dex and me. We don't look the same. Did you welcome this boy into your family with open arms? (laughs) I think. He was loved by his parents. Just remember, son, the people who love you no matter what, that's your family. And sometimes his brother. This is my baby picture, and uh, this is yours. Mom, am I adopted? Of course not, honey. 
Dexter? Mom, am I a <laughs> bear? I just don't fit in. He's run away from home. You knew you were gonna have to release him into the wild one day. Now Barry's about to discover his destiny. The Country Bears! With four guys who are barely a band. I belong here. Welcome aboard, kid. You're one of us, man. Oh my gosh. Well, are you going to find him? Does he have any distinguishing moths? Yeah, he's got thick brown hair. All over his body. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bryce? All over his body. <laughs> These tissues? <laughs> you guys, they're right behind us. Country bears kidnapped his little kid. Oh my gosh. I feel like if the Beatles kidnapped a kid. I'm assuming the country bears were the Beatles of their world. Looks ridiculous. My hair. From Walt Disney Pictures. One boy is searching for what he's been missing. You're gonna do the show? Not without you. And discovering what he's had all along. Who's that little bear? Oh, that's no little bear. That's my brother! Disney's The Country Bears. Oh my god. Christopher Walken agreed to be in the movie, but he did, he had the same uh, contract yeah. that Robin Williams had for Aladdin. He said, don't use me for the trailers. For I the better posters. not use any of the marketing. Um. Oh my god. I don't know about that movie. I want to watch it? We can, I... watch it we can double feature it. Rent Country Bears. Sure. As our... Uh, when you and I are needing a break... <laughs> We'll do as if that will be a break. I think rent and country bears will be more painful. Yes, that's than, a trip. Um, whatever. <laughs> um, but so, um, Matching Goofy, possum hats. Goofy gets yeah, Max and him possum hats, and Goofy wants to take pictures with the live possums, and the live possums uh jump into Max's shirt. Max dances around. They think he's dancing, but really he's just trying to get a possum out of his shirt. And then he storms off because he's really upset that Goofy's so embarrassing. Everyone laughed at them. Or everyone was laughing with them. It's Dork and Dork Jr. That kid, he's the he's the one who's being mean. I think yeah. everyone else was genuinely entertained by yeah. these three Goofy-esque shenanigans. Mm -hmm. Um... You know, we said earlier Pete is not the antagonist of this movie. This kid? He's the real villain? Yeah, I think so. I think we should teach him a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> like what, Ren? Like swirlies? Yeah, let's give this let's give this kid a swirly. <laughs> That'll show him. <laughs> Who's Dork and Dork Jr. now? That's um Dork Senior to you. Yeah. Uh they It's raining! Yeah, it's raining. It's sad. Uh, they go to a campsite, and a trailer runs over. 
the tent that Goofy's in. Would you uh, would you want an RV like Pete's? No. Why go camping? Why go camping? To be amongst nature, to be with friends. The, the slice there... down some trees. Yeah, I was gonna say his RV literally slices down like trees. He deforests the area. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a good time. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a it's I I don't want that RV personally, but it's cool. <laughs> I'll say that much. It, it is cool. cool. It is cool. Yeah, I uh, I like this sequence. This is our first uh, or this is our second like Goofy Pete contrasting moment. Yeah, do we? Now get... we got the kids, and we get a bit more context into their parenting styles. Yeah, because Max finds PJ in the RV. Uh, PJ is buffering the floor. Yep. So, you know, says that. Uh, this is when Goofy's like, yeah, I don't really know how to take like how to like figure out max and so pete's like great advice from pete yeah just keep your thumb on thumb on them if you keep them under your thumb they'll never end up in the gutter yep boom high score something yeah. that really stood out to me mm -hmm. watching it this time and it's not even played for laughs is how genuinely terrified pj is of pete like he he has like those jokes where he's like, "Oh, my dad, he's gonna nuke me when he finds out," mm -hmm. or like he's gonna destroy me. But like the scenes where they're together and Pete just like talks at him or dismisses him, PJ always looks so sad and despondent. And there's never a real resolution to it. It's just a thing. Yeah, yeah. I think it's saying is I think it's just showing that kids have emotional needs that need to be addressed. I think that's that. And... I like it. It's a. I'm glad it's here. Yeah. Uh, do you know what I, uh, I'm glad is here? What? Uh, I said, do you know what I'm glad is here? What, Bryce? Uh, Bigfoot. Bigfoot? Yeah. I, I think this is the first time that, like, well, I don't know. I never really liked the Bigfoot sequence, but it didn't bother me this time. Yeah. I think, uh, I think because the emotion of it all is there still. Yeah, it's like a silly moment. It almost it feels random when it starts, but it's it's. I think it's quickly contextualized well enough. Yeah, that it also sets up the perfect cast for later, which yes. we need to know. Yes, uh, as Goofy teaches Max the perfect cast, uh, and Goofy catches Bigfoot, to which uh, Bigfoot promptly breaks the only video recording that exists of him, and then traps Max and Goofy inside of their car. For a long time. Enough time to start listening to and liking the Bee Gees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I love that. In here? He puts it on. He does the like little disco thing with his fingers. Um, yeah, and then Goofy makes like soup. And there's a yeah, sentimental moment there. Soup. Yeah. I thought this was a really cute scene. Mm -hmm. and it's it's very I, touching. Yeah, I like it a lot because... Goofy is being sentimental about it, and Max, like, is but isn't. Yeah. Where he's, like, Goofy's, like, yeah, I used to write, like, little words that were, like, easy to know. And Max is, like, like ambidextrous. Um, la vista. Um, it's just being... It's, like, it's like the first time the dynamic actually feels playful. Yeah. Too. Yeah. And I love that Max actually spells out hi, dad, for him later. Yeah. After saying that he didn't remember mm -hmm. yep it, it's just such a nice sweet gesture and the fact that it's not like 
lingered on so hard. Mm-hmm. You know, like I feel like Disney movies have such a bad habit of really trying to ring all the emotion they can out of a scene like it's a towel mm-hmm. like a goofy movie it knows how to like move on when it's time it knows how to yeah. like just let a moment be and breathe without you know forcing everything you can out of it to the point where it becomes saccharine well yeah because it would get uh if it was any other disney movie at the end of this movie we would get a moment where max uh spells out hi dad again yeah uh like totally sappy just like yeah yeah, it's not it's not like true to life either. No. No, it's it's these little moments that they're real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's nice. And so then um ninety-six hours later, uh Goofy and uh Bigfoot have slept the entire time uh in the car and they've been snoring the whole time. Max has not slept or eaten in a very long time. And so Max uh in his absolute lowest state of humanity uh changes the destination on the map well, well you, you i i you're selling you, you're going too quick what do you mean i'm going too you're quick you're going too quick he, he first he's writing to the letter to roxanne okay then he gets upset and the map falls out and then yeah. you have the tension of it mm-hmm. I, I i think this scene is really tense with the the way it's all set up and framed. is he gonna do it <gasps> like then he does it, then the pencil breaks, mm-hmm. then he's quickly rewriting the route before Goofy wakes up. Yeah, to ask how many uh, cups of sugar it takes to get to the moon. Three and a half, for those wondering. That's how many it takes. Does that seem like yeah. too much or too little? Uh, Just enough. Just enough? Yeah, I think I think Max is dead on. I like I that uh, when Max finishes mm-hmm. writing rewriting the map, he rips up the letter to Roxanne, and then I lied. Just stays there, hanging in the background. Yes, and again, it's not brought. It's not like that makes its way to Roxanne, and Roxanne finds out anyways. Yeah, like uh, it's just it. It exists to, you know. There, yeah, because it's thematic. He it's, lied. He's lying to his dad right now yeah, as he rewrites the map. It's what's weighing over Max heavily is these the series of lies that he's in. And I like the uh, the movie. It, it feels very theatrical the way the movie like has this overt symbolism about things. Mm-hmm. I think that it, it it works well with the Broadway vibe going on. Yeah, and that's gonna um, you know, Bigfoot's finally gonna leave. Uh, nine months later, he's gonna get off the car and leave. They're gonna continue on their journey, uh, and Max is put in charge of the role of navigator. And he is riddled with guilt. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. What is he to do? And what's going to make it even worse is that he's going to actually start to enjoy this road trip with his dad. Yeah. Goofy lets him pick all the spots. Yeah. And we get a really great montage. I mm-hmm. love this montage. What's uh? any highlights here? Uh, I like when they go see the giant yarn. I like when uh, Max realizes that Goofy is not enjoying the monster truck rally. Mm-hmm. So they, uh, what do they do for him? Where does he take him after? I'm not sure. Yeah, he does something nice for Goofy after. Oh, he brings him to the mime. I oh I didn't I didn't connect those two. I thought they were just I thought there was the monster truck and then there was the mime bit. No, during the monster truck bit, Max looks over at Goofy and sees he's not enjoying himself. Mm-hmm. So the next scene is something that Goofy likes. Got you, the mime. Yes, and uh so this adds to Goofy's body count. Yep. So Goofy's killed another man here, but <laughs> Him and his son are bonding, and Max is doing something nice for his dad. Yeah. Um, yeah. They learn how to change a tire. Mm-hmm. 
They hang out in Carl's butt. Mm-hmm. Goofy gets a signed baseball for Max. It's it's some nice. It's nice. It's quick. Like it's not like a full song worth of montage. Mm-hmm. But we get a lot of development fast, which we kind of need at this moment. Yeah. Show that their relationship is changing, and mm-hmm. that even though Max is lying, their relationship is improving, which adds <laughs> to the tension and builds to the drama, which is about to happen. Yeah, we get also Cory in the house has uh, gave us longer montages than this. So yes, with so much less content. Yeah, this was this was a perfect montage. All the bits felt like they mattered. There was a lot of the mime thing. So I, I know I had mentioned the possum getting dragged off screen earlier. Mm-hmm. But the mime bit is is another one that is like so well done. When um, the comedic timing from Goofy cutting the string with imaginary scissors mm-hmm. and the piano immediately crumpling the mime. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> uh, and it's um, something Goofy wanted to do. Max knew. Uh-huh. Killer mime. Uh they go to the nautical Neptune Inn. Neptune Inn. Which is like a um it has water beds with fish inside which must be a safety hazard yes yeah those fish are not happy um but hey that's what max chooses and goofy and max are getting along really well yeah and then pete and pj are gonna show up and pete's gonna overhear max talking to pete about changing the destination and pete is going to go to goofy and feel like he needs to tell Goofy. And it's almost like, like, Pete does it, I think, almost as, like, like, wow, Goof. Like, it seems like Goofy's way of parenting is working. But I need to tell Goofy that it's not. Like, it's, yeah, like, I to knock him down too. some pegs. But I, I also feel, like, it's definitely driven from that. But I also feel like it's a point of, like, validation to Pete. Because he... Yeah. He's seeing that in his eyes, mm-hmm. Max isn't being a better son. He genuinely believes that Goofy is being duped and yeah. played because yeah. what he heard, like, is indicative of that. I mean, mm-hmm. there's nothing to indicate that Max isn't lying about anything else. Yeah, PJ would never. He respects his father too yeah. much, too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But so I, I, lo- I love this scene between. It's PJ good. And Goofy. It's always stood out for me, like. Just the drama of it. Like, mm-hmm. not even just this scene, what this, this scene transitions to. Like, yeah. the whole nighttime sequence of Goofy mm-hmm. talking to Pete. Like, the way he just, like, emotionally just kind of gets chipped away by Pete during their conversation when he realizes that he might suspect Max. Then when he's mm-hmm. in the car, and, like, he's he's clearly battling with himself on whether to trust him. And he chooses to trust him. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, so mad at himself that he hits the car, but then he sees the map. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, there's no dialogue in that scene, mm-hmm. but it's just such good visual storytelling. Yeah. And you and can th- totally understand what Goofy is going through. Yeah. Goofy's for sure struggling. Um, for sure struggling. And, like, it's, it, it's he's gonna, hard... sorry. Yeah. I was gonna say, like, hard... <laughs> you can go. <laughs> no, Ren, you go. Not to harp on this too long, but they just, Goofy looks so sad. They do such yeah. a good job at making you sympathize with him. Like, I, th- I really think it's an achievement that can't be overlooked how they were able to make Goofy genuinely sympathetic and you can really feel for his struggle as a father. 
the character Goofy, Goofus D Dog. Mm-hmm. That's that's great work from Disney. The best best work we're gonna see from Disney too. By a vial. Um. But then the kids get pizza everywhere. That's really yeah. Weird. It's that they was the most it. upsetting thing to me in this. The pizza looks so delicious, and they just throw it on the floor. Yeah, it's like on the floor. It's like, uh, like uh, smushed up against the bedpost. Like it's it's rough. No wonder Goofy quietly goes to sleep. Yeah, I'd be depressed too if I walked into my room and I saw eight slices of uneaten pizza everywhere. Uh, um, yeah. Is I feel so bad for Goofy. Goofy's upset, and then it's gonna come to a. Uh, a head here when oh, they reach the junction. The literal junction. <laughs> the they, literal really, junction. Uh, they do a good job at leaning into the drama for this. Yeah. I like that there's no, like, moment of, like, respite between Goofy being sad, and now it's time to, like, make Max choose. Yep. And it's tense. Mm-hmm. Like, it it gets tense, and it feels tense, and it feels, like, mm-hmm. you can feel that Goofy's desperate for his son to do the right thing, and Max really doesn't know what to do at all no well because the guilt has been eating at max this entire time and so now that he's seeing that his dad is clearly upset it's like and max knows deep down why he's upset like max knows that his dad knows um but he just like he doesn't know what to do um so he directs the car left towards la instead of towards lake destiny and um Goofy looks heartbroken. That's it for Goofy. His he just looks the change in expression on him. Yeah, he's, he's livid. Pulls the car over. Like, I'm done. Had it. Um, Max ruined the vacation. And um, Max the... didn't want to go on this stupid vacation. No. I know. Um, we get the really fun car crash sequence. Yep, where they're arguing at each other as they just drive down the ridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, like, it's hitting, like, the guardrail, and the guardrail turns into, like, a floating train track it's that like the car's a, on. It's like Wario Mines in Mario Kart. Yeah. Yes, it is just like that. And then, uh, the car falls into the river below, and, uh, they sit on it and they sulk. They have a heart-to-heart. Max tries to tell Goofy he's not his little boy anymore, but... No. Goofy just wants to be part of his son's life. Mm-hmm. No matter how big he'll get, he'll always be his son. Oh. It's I, I really like that line. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like. A... Yeah. For me, I don't know. That's something my dad used to say to me when I was young. So it has a lot of significance to me. Yeah. It's like. um, And the. Because when they're both upset with each other, there's like. Then there's just like the silence as they both. Are thinking about it. And that's, like, another thing that we never see in any Disney movies, let alone, like, Disney tunes, but, like, any Disney movies. It's just, like, silence for yeah. us to watch characters take in the emotions that they just, like, observed and, like, the words that were just given to them and just, like, thinking. And that's, like, when I've gotten, when I was a teenager and I got in fights with my parents, like, often we would say things that we mean or don't mean. Yeah, And then there'd be that moment of just, like, sitting in silence of just, like, either, like, I'm even more livid or just, like, I'm taking it in and, like, thinking about it. Um, but it's brilliant. It's it's 
it works really well here because then it transitions into nobody else but you which is um, a one of the best parts of the movie i think yeah like visually it's just beautiful when they're in the cavern and mm-hmm. everything is tinted in blue and the water and the shadows all around them mm-hmm. it's just it's such a gorgeous scene mm-hmm. and like the song itself it's a great way of reconciling their relationship yeah you know, it's a good use of a duet they address their differences acknowledge how much they mean to each other how much they love each other mm-hmm. and like it transitions right into a really great uh, waterfall sequence <laughs> I I think this when the song ends yeah and like we have that and they're in the waterfall and the, the, like, like the sky is red pinkish red yeah. yep yeah. yeah I think that's one of the best looking parts of the whole movie mm-hmm. like the water especially it has this rough crayon look to it yeah like, it just looks so good and like the sky the way that like the red like shades down kind of darkens the color palette of everything just so moody and atmospheric i love it mm-hmm. like i don't i disney disney tune was inspired when they made this i don't know what the hell happened <laughs> <laughs> they were firing on all cylinders mm-hmm. well because we kind of get um a similar thing to so aladdin last week had <laughs> yeah. a waterfall sequence and the week before that we had uh scrooge mcduck falling from whatever the palace was in the sky yeah um, so we get things that are similar, but both felt so lifeless. <laughs> and then there's this. Which has just so much personality. Yeah. Like, there's so much love and care in every little detail. It's it's beautiful. And Goofy's whole thing is like, well, because um, so Goofy's falling. Max does the perfect cast and saves him. Um, and it trans like they look at each other it's a nice moment and then it transitions straight to all right we're getting max on stage yep now that goofy knows what's wrong he's gonna do anything to help his son yes and i love that like it's not just like oh i gotta give my son what i want at the end of the movie he makes max tell roxanne the truth mm-hmm. so there's also a lesson in it too yep you know it, this i think this is this kind of highlights goofy's good parenting he'll make sacrifices for his son but, you know, he's not going to overlook when his son is wrong. No. And there's a fundamental difference between him and Pete, who Pete doesn't even recognize PJ. No. Uh, yeah, so Max will get on stage. Kids will see him at the party. Bobby's going to be like, I know him. So good for Bobby. Power, Power line says, I'm singing eye to eye because you two are finally seeing eye to eye. Mm. Um, Bobby is going to uh, also touch hands with the class president yes stacy yep they love each other now i'm happy for them i'm really happy for them uh and then yeah and uh max comes home roxanne's like i saw you on the show he's like yeah about that tells her the truth goofy explodes so uh i I assume that's the mime that's the mime's revenge yeah (laughs) i like that uh I like that Roxanne likes Max's laugh, which he's been embarrassed of the whole movie. We didn't really talk about that. A yuck? A yuck? A yuck? A yuck? yuck? Oh, that was pretty good. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that too. I like that. Um, it's a nice message about owning your, you know, uniqueness. Your insecurities. Yeah, turning your insecurities into something else. Yeah. Um, it's great. We fade up. Blue sky. 
It's so good. It's a great movie, Ren. Really great movie. It's a fantastic movie. Well made, fun, funny, heartfelt, Mm -hmm. like genuinely emotional. I, 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 it's a movie that can make me tear up. Yeah. It's just, it just gets, it gets to a real, I don't know. It feels very real. It's real emotion. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel artificial. Doesn't feel forced. Yeah. Feels like this was a a project Mm -hmm. that everyone involved they truly believed in, and they wanted to make it with artistic integrity, and it has integrity. Mm-hmm. And the, I think I would I would go for, as far to say this is one of the best overall Disney movies. And the time flies, also it does. It's um, well paced, doesn't drag. Yeah. No, at at every moment there's like something fun, exciting. Like they in yeah they each story beat is knows how long it needs to be. We don't spend too long at Lester's Possum Park. We spend just the right amount of time there. Um. Camping, same thing. We spend just the right amount of time camping, running into Pete and PJ, and then, all right, time to get into a uh, Bigfoot situation. All right, now time to the montage. Like, um, everything is so well-paced. So, um, Rent, what did the reviewers think uh, for the, the reviews that you pulled? All right. So, like last week, I have four reviews for tonight, three IMDb reviews, and one real review from when the movie came out. Yeah. The real review this time is from Roger Ebert legendary film critic but uh let's begin with imdb okay so our 10 out of 10 is by the godfather sammy title watching it now that i am older (laughs) this movie is better written january 8th 2006 if you say this movie sucks it's probably because because you think you're too cool for it I am 13, and I just watched my copy of the movie, and I can't believe how much better it is now that I am older. This movie is extremely funny with a Bigfoot dancing around disco style. I found myself singing along to the songs that I used to love as a younger child. A touching movie with the perfect combination of tears and laughter. Maybe your head is too far up your own that you think this movie is uncool and sucks. So if you think you're secure enough to watch this great movie, I recommend it to anyone. I feel like they missed the point, but I'll take a 10. <laughs> this next one is a 5 out of 10 by Ah McGowan. Max stars in Goofy's overdue feature, December 4th, 2020. Fun fact, Goofy made his first appearance in the Silly Symphony short, Mickey's Review, on May 12th, 1934. Therefore, this feature dedicated to the Walt Disney-created anthropomorphic dog was long overdue when it hit screens in 1995. One could reasonably wonder before seeing the film if the slapstick Goofy, voiced in this film by Bill Farmer, had enough relevant character in him to sustain an entire film. The answer is actually no. However, this is not Goofy's movie. Contrary to the title, the main character is actually Goofy's teenage son, Max, voiced by Jason Marsden. In real time, Max is far from a teenager. The character first appeared prototypically as Goofy Jr. in the 1951 short Fathers Are People. A younger version of him bearing the name Max also starred in the 1992 television series Goof Troop. By the beginning of a Goofy movie, Max is in high school. As anyone can imagine, having Goofy for a dad is painfully embarrassing, and that pain is most severe during adolescence. Just when Max reaches a social peak, having asked out his crush to positive ends, Goofy decides to take him on an impromptu road trip, stripping the boy, or growing pup, rather, from his prospective summer of love. The father-son road trip premise is a reliable one that a Goofy movie makes the most out of. Along the way, there's plenty of time for side characters, laughs, and character development. 
Max and Goofy predictably quarrel with each other on numerous occasions, but ultimately grow closer. In their single-child, single-parent dynamic, they are all the family the other one has. Sure, it's heartfelt. It's an animated Disney movie, but does a Goofy movie stand the test of time? The movie is over 25 years old and is now appreciated as a nostalgic gem, but unlike The Lion King or Toy Story, it is not quite as brilliant as we remember it. For starters, much of what the film depicts as cool is now distinctively not cool. Max's interests include shield sunglasses, colorful hoodies, and a brand of music that can only be described as alternative discotheque. These are the things that he daydreams about while cringing at the prospect of going fishing with his dad. It may not have been the case when the movie first came out, but now, Goofy's version of the world appears hipper than Max's. Moreover, the original soundtrack is nothing to speak of. In fact, we'd forgive you for forgetting that a Goofy movie is a musical. Few of the songs carry much weight, and even fewer of them carry a memorable tune. The film could have, and probably should have, left the music to Disney's more fantastical animated adaptations. Then there's the matter of animation itself. The movie looks fine. Goofy appears as he should. Holistically, though, it is a clear step down from the other animated films Disney put out in the 90s. It actually looks more like a Warner Brothers animation project, a Disney cartoon. Maybe this is due to the fact that Disney Toon Animation and Walt Disney's television animation produced it, rather than the top-tier Disney Toon Animation Studios. They could have made a Goofy movie as a straight-to-video or Disney Channel original film. It sort of looks and plays out like something for television rather than the theater. Nevertheless, I am happy that Goofy got the big-screen treatment. Even as his movie has aged dubiously, the lovably dim-weeded canine remains a staple of the Disney imagination that oftentimes gets overlooked by Mickey and Donald. At the same time, I wouldn't have minded a more substantial or complete trio cameo from the rest of the Fab Five in the movie. Ah, McGowan is a shitty reviewer. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the first and last review by them that I ever want to hear. <clears throat> you ready for our two out of ten? Yeah. This is by J. Booth Millard, September 7th, 2005. I remember seeing this cartoon film from Walt Disney Pictures at least once when I was younger, but for some reason I forced myself into watching it again when grown up, probably just to get a different opinion. But I knew it was going to be terrible no matter what. Basically, school has ended and summer has begun. Teenage Max Goof wants to catch the eye of beautiful fellow student Roxanne, so he stages an impromptu concert at the final assembly. Max's father, Goofy, gets a call from Principal Mazur. He exaggerates events and warns that if Max's actions may one day have him facing capital punishment, Goofy has the idea to get Max away from everything by taking him on vacation. Max has succeeded becoming a celebrity and impressing Roxanne. She agrees to go to a party where a live performance by pop singer Powerline will be showing. But then Goofy blows his plans, announcing they are going on a fishing trip together in his station wagon following a map route to Lake Destiny, Idaho. Max is forced to call off the date with Roxanne, but he fabricates a story that his father knows Powerline and tells her that he will be the pop star when they go live on stage at the concert. Max is miserable throughout the journey to go fishing. Pete and his son and Max's friend PJ join them on the way. Pete advises Goofy to keep Max under control and, of course, with Goofy around. This trip is full of disasters, including spending the night with Bigfoot? Stopping during the journey at night, Max alters the route map to change the destination to Los Angeles, where the concert is being held. Goofy decides in the morning to make Max navigator and allow them to stop along the way wherever he chooses. Pete, on the one of their stops, overhears Max and PJ talking about Max's change of the map. He tells Goofy, but he refuses to believe him, but looking at the map for himself, he knows he has been duped. Goofy gets very angry when Max directs him towards California. Instead of Idaho, they fight and end up with a car crashing into the river, but they survive. They reconcile, and Goofy understands Max wanting to impress a girl he feels for, and Max saves his dad from a waterfall. 
all death. Using a fishing technique, he taught him. Goofy and Max make it to Los Angeles in the concert. Through unintentional gate crashing, they both end up dancing on stage with Powerline during the performance, watched by everyone from school, including Roxanne. In the end, after returning home, Max tells Roxanne the truth, but she admits she always had feelings for him since he said, a yuck, the Goofy laugh. They start a relationship, the car explodes, and Goody falls through the house roof. This allows Max to introduce Roxanne to his dad. Also starring Kevin Lima as Lester, Florence Stanley as Waitress, and Joanne Worley as Miss Maples. The film is essentially a film adaptation of the TV show Goof Troop, which I watched sometimes younger and liked, but with the kid character now a teenager, Goofy and this is unfortunately not suited as a dad. His chaotic antics are not as fun to watch as the original shorts from the past. In fact, in this I found him highly irritating, and his teen son with an attitude is no better. In fact, the entire film was irritating, only creating titters of laughs, and the most predictable and ordinary story, I knew I was going to be terrible, and it was, not one did I even not bother showing your children, a rather rubbish animated comedy, pretty poor. Did people just expect a comedy? And is that what the issue is here? This it might be just people thinking like, oh, it's goofy. He's gonna do silly things. Yeah. And then they're confronted with real emotion and their brains pop. Yeah, and they're like, oh shoot, I don't like this anymore. Yeah, it's like going into the Big Bang Theory and there's actual content. So, I got it. <clears throat> you ready for Roger? Mm. <clears throat> A goofy movie, April seventh, nineteen ninety five. About two-thirds of the way through the screening of a Goofy movie last Saturday morning, something Goofy happened. The movie was suddenly upside down, and you could see the jagged lines of the optical soundtrack zipping along the right side of the screen. This was not a good sign. As Goofy would say, Gorsh. I was in a theater with about 200 kids who made loud noises of protest, confusion, and delight. Eventually, the movie was stopped, and the manager explained that there was a technical difficulty, and gave us all passes for a future screening. So we had gotten into the screen for free, that was a good deal. But now I am forced with a deadline and a review to write. What to do? It occurred to me that since I had, not, since I had seen a movie in progress, I should write a review in progress, simply by supplying you with the notes, written and mental, that I had during the film's first hour. Such as, is Goofy human or a dog? I once met Bill Farmer, who does the voice of Goofy, and he gave me the definitive answer. Pluto is definitely a dog. Goofy is sort of the missing link between dog and man. The movie is not really about Goofy, but about his teenage son, Max. Today's kids are so youth-oriented that Goofy is too old for them to identify with. Max wears shades and wants to take his best girl-slash-dog, Roxanne, to a rock concert. Goofy is a single parent. Someday I would like to see a cartoon about the court battle he went through to gain custody of Max. All the animated characters in Disney movies have a thumb and three, not four fingers. Is it true that Walt thought this was a good idea because it makes it impossible for them to flip the bird? What does the bathroom look like in Goofy's house, and how does he use it? At one point, there is a moving truck in the movie, and on its side is painted, Starving House Pets Movers. Nice touch. I realized the human potential movement has gotten completely out of hand when I heard Goofy telling Max they need to spend more quality time together. Another sad side of the times we live in, for the first time in cartoon history, Goofy locks his door after he parks it. Cute moment. During a fishing trip together, Goofy suggests they play card games. I'm thinking of a person, Goofy tells Max. You have to guess who it is. Is it male, asks Max. Yes, says Goofy. Walt Disney, says Max. Right, says Goofy. That's as far as I got before the movie went upside down. How many stars would I give a Goofy movie? Well, at the time they stopped the show, the star meter was clicking at just a shade under three stars. Let's round it off to three and call it a day. That might be a Goofy way to rate a movie, but Goofy is as Goofy does. Footnote. 
Since writing the above, I've had the opportunity to see the rest of a Goofy movie, in which Goofy and Max meet Bigfoot, who does a John Travolta imitation dancing to Stayin' Alive. There's also a dangerous trip down Rapids, a visit to a rock concert, a, street, a sweet re reconciliation between Max and Roxanne, and a subtle background moment when Elvis turns up in a diner. Three stars is still about right. And I think he grades out of four. Oh my god. <laughs> we got to see Roger Ebert's notes. <laughs> I feel like... I don't even know. I don't think he gets it, but at the same time, maybe he gets it. Like, I, I feel like... He, critics at the time were a different breed, I think. I miss those days, is how I feel, hearing it's, it's that. A, it's a lot simpler criticism, and yeah. there's a lot of good and bad in that. They yeah. don't overanalyze, but that also means that sometimes they're not analyzing enough. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like uh, I feel like his comments about the times and, like... I don't really feel like they're that applicable. No, or even, like, like the gibberish about, like, is Goofy a human or not? Like, yeah. the fingers thing, like... I'm sorry, but I like if you're watching this and then that's your like if if you're watching something like Bambi 2, Bambi's Revenge, whatever the heck we have to watch in a few weeks, <laughs> like I get how you and I might come up with those types of thoughts and comments because what else are we supposed to be thinking about? But I feel like this movie gives you enough food for thought that I didn't like that you shouldn't be leaving thinking, huh? What about those fingers? I think this is a pretty good example of how even the best critics kind of give animation a bad rap and don't treat it seriously enough. Because, mm -hmm. like, he's framing his whole review from, like, the perspective of children instead of framing it from the perspective of, you know, a critic. Mm -hmm. Like, he's already approaching it as if the film is lesser than him. And he gives it a good score, and he's ultimately positive on it. But, you know, I think it's indicative of all the issues with what reviews from this era you know they don't they don't give they they didn't give enough credit to what they were reviewing i feel like a lot of critics kind of feel like they're better than the content they're looking at and even now that's kind of a problem um ren are you ready to rate this i am ready to rate this okay what are you gonna give it uh easy 10 yeah this is the best of the best we're not gonna see a better disney tune movie than this uh this is no. the best thing we've watched i genuinely love this film i really can't think of any like complaint i don't have any nitpicks about it i just think it's a very well-made movie from start to finish mm -hmm. very passionate so much heart it has a perfect blend of emotion of you know humor the music is good like the the voice acting is excellent like the voice direction overall you really feel like these are people having conversations with each other and they actually grow I think, like, I, maybe the one thing I can knock the movie for is that it go, it's a little bit too fast at the end. But even yeah. then, it keeps itself under an hour and a half, and that's a good runtime. Yeah. So I'm not going to fault it for that. Yeah. I, I went with 9.5, okay. uh, which is it's essentially a 10. There's um, Leaving room for improvement? You think Aladdin 3 is going to blow you away? I don't think there's a single thing that we will watch from Disney Tunes that will be any anywhere close to the quality of this movie. Um, But... I don't know, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Return to Neverland could be really good. It came out in theaters. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, so next week, are we going to get Abysmal? No, Abysmal's not in this next one. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we're, we're seeing Aladdin's dad. I, like, 
am not mentally ready to go back <laughs> to Acroba. I and I'm thought, really not. I remember we got Aladdin and the King of Thieves at a flea market. I actually liked this one. Okay. I haven't seen this one since I was a kid. Yeah. But I remember. Even even then, I did not like Return of Jafar, but I really enjoyed watching Aladdin 1 and then this one, King of Thieves. So maybe it'll be good, or maybe I just watched it young enough mm-hmm. where everything was still good. Do we think, um, do we think, let's make this call now, are we going to get one of those warnings about uh, cultural depictions at the yeah, start 100%. of this one? You think so? Okay. There's like a... They brought Robin Williams back. There's like a he's a great he was a great man, but there's a zero percent percent chance he's not doing a. Wait, Robin action. Williams is back? Yeah, he's back in the third one. He oh uh gosh. he saw the he was like oh Dan Castellaneta made some money off that huh? Not anymore. I um I'm not mentally prepared. I'm really not, and I'm really? glad that I have some time still uh, before I need to go back to Agrabah. I Iago really did some damage to me last week. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> so, uh, Just... but we'll go. We'll we'll go through it. Uh, it'll be a fun podcast. I have no doubts that there's going to be some gold there, um, beyond just the lamp itself. So, it'll be fun. It'll it be will. fun, Ren. And if nothing else, we'll look back on a goofy movie fondly as we <laughs> weep and discuss King of <laughs> Memes. <laughs> Uh, well uh everyone if you made it this far thank you so much for listening uh check out our facebook rent you're making some fantastic uh little ads i love making these papers they've looked so good they've been great yeah they've been they've been awesome um so if you don't know what we're talking about like our facebook page um because you'll get to see them and then you'll also be reminded when we have new episodes out so it's a win every week yeah um So, yeah, thank you all so much for listening, and have a great rest of your day. I'll see you all at Lester's Possum Park. Bye, everyone. Take care.